This is Audio Gyan and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. Welcome to a brand new series of Audio Gyan. It's been quite some time. The new series is called Where Are the Designers? It's a 12-part series featuring few of the top influential design leaders talking about their hiring process, challenges in finding and retaining talent and some tips for young designers who make a cut after they apply. I'm so happy and proud to introduce my co-host for this series, Abhinit Tiwari. Uh, he was actually heading the design at Gojek uh, but uh, surprisingly likes to call himself like designer at Gojek. So welcome Abhinit. Welcome to the show. It's actually the other way around. You can also welcome me because you will be co-hosting this series. Hey, Gitar. Thanks for having me here. And yeah, yes, super excited about this series. I, I, I really saw the list of uh, people you managed to line up for the series. Yeah. And yeah, I'm super excited about talking to these people, specifically about design hiring, because that's an evergreen <laughs> topic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having these conversations and learning something uh, from each of our guests. Same, same, yeah. In fact, uh, for to begin the series, um, uh, we have requested Jay Datta to join us. Uh, Jay Datta uh, is heading the design at Make My Trip and Go Ibibo. He's also the co-founder of Design Up, uh, one of the most sought-after design conferences in Southeast Asia. And uh, I think uh, I had interviewed him uh, in episode number 80, where we spoke about role of uh, design in startups. Uh, so it was quite a, uh, one should go and listen to that episode also. So yeah, without uh, further delay, um, yeah, welcome Jay. Welcome back Jay, actually to AudioGAN. Hey, thanks so much uh, Kedar and thanks so much Abhinit for having me here once again. It's always a pleasure to be back on AudioGAN. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's our honor all together. Uh, so, I have been chatting with um, Abhinit about this series, uh, Where Are the Designers? And just wanted to uh, pick brains of few of the designers and, and understand what are their challenges because I've been hiring for quite some time and uh, it's kind of difficult to hire mid-level senior folks across the board actually, right? And uh, I probably would have a different mindset because I come from Clear Trip, then Book My Show and there's a different kind of pedigree to different companies. So I just thought to do this series and get a wider perspective of are the challenges same? How are you handling it? Uh, how do you spot the talent and stuff like that? So yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, anything to add. Abhinit, you have any particular take? No, I'm just looking forward to uh, hearing from Jay what he's been doing uh, about hiring designers and all the companies that he's been at. Who's going to kick it off, Kedar? You or me? Uh, I'll I'll take the first question and then maybe you sure. can chime along. Sure. So, Jay, like uh, there are a bunch of questions. A few of them, I, actually, it's not a rapid fire round, but uh, we'll we'll have like few of them uh, really quick and short ones. Uh, just sort of rapid fire, but yeah, you can just take your time as well. And then there are like few questions which are much more uh, in depth, and we can deep dive into uh, what's the process like and stuff. So. Just to start off, how long uh, you have been in design and, and if you can give us quick background about you, 
Uh, when did you start hiring? Who was the first person whom you hired, if you remember? Where was it? And yeah, any any insights from there? Right. I think I've been in design fairly long. Um, like I guess um, maybe similar to Abhinith and you or maybe a little longer. I was actually trying to remember as you were framing the question, how long have I been hiring? I think it goes back to 1998 or 99. <clears throat> this is while I was um, pretty much an independent charge of a growing team in Mauritius. And one of my, um, I can't remember who was the first hire. I think I might have contributed to some folks. Um, but one of the interesting assignments I do remember was hiring my replacement. So I had replaced this French designer from Paris and um, I had shortlisted this wonderful designer who worked for the Grand Canyon National Parks. I mean, uh, it finally never happened. I mean, uh, but she and I have remained friends, but we have never met. Hopefully after the pandemic, who knows? Okay. Uh, so, Jay, yeah, I was 12 years old then, so you've definitely been in design day long. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah, even I think I was in 10th, maybe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, not to make you feel old, but following on from the hiring conversation, let's talk about sourcing first. Like, um, that's the title of our series, right? Where are the designers? So, how does it work for you currently where you're at, or even in the past? Like, does the HR. Uh, help you do all the sourcing? Do they have a pool of designers or do you take charge of it yourself or your design team does? So I think um, HR owns the process and we essentially help them add, maintain, expand and refine the pool. I tend to think of hiring process as a product flow. The pool is really the mouth of the funnel and from there, the bunch of steps. I guess we may not be very different in the way we do that. I think the first step really is shortlisting candidates based on CV, portfolio, referrals, or, or chat. The second step is the assignment. And the third is, of course, a couple of panel rounds. Mm -hmm. uh, Post-discussion with the members of the panel, I think the last round is usually with me, unless the person is a very, very senior person, in which case it might be with some of my peers in uh, product or tech. Sure. Okay. I just wanted to check in on one more thing, which is uh, what, how important are referrals for you for sourcing? Right. I've seen people have different kind of a take on this. Some people love it. Some people find referrals um, problematic for some reason. What's your take on referrals? How big a part is it? Right. No, I think referrals are still fairly effective, though you need to handle referrals. Um, a little more sensitively. I think that's the problem part also because um, these are people that are known to people inside your organization. So you should not mess up that relationship per se. But I think um, going back to referrals is that people don't buy things, they buy into people. And then um, they essentially buy into promises and words and beliefs. And this is what I think referrals are all about. It's a human chain of trust. So I think, yeah, it still works. That's an interesting bit. Uh, yeah. Human chain of trust. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you briefly covered what is the typical hiring process, but uh, has it changed over time? I mean, um, since the time when you started hiring and because we have different tests, right? And, and we keep refining them for different levels. And sometimes uh, the company culture also lends itself to how you hire. So have you seen any change in your design hiring process? 
I think broadly the process remains the same, but I think there's a lot of uh, fine tuning and attention to details um, and, and lots of small parts which we have fine tuned or which I have fine tuned. I mean, when I first started hiring, so I, this was my second job and I started, I think, managing hiring things pretty early in my career. So, so obviously I made my set of mistakes and stupid things as well. But um, again, using the product flow analogy, I think what we have done over a period of time, and this is again, a lot of learning at Adobe and um, again, at Make My Trip as well, which is paying a lot of attention to the pool. I mean, and paying a lot of attention to the rejections and all the steps. I think what's happening? Why are we rejecting less or more somewhere? And what should the ratio be? So we also very openly discuss and introspect about bias. We train a lot of younger people to interview. So a lot of younger people shadow the older members such. Uh, also because I think that also brings an interesting diversity to the, the hiring panel as well. The other part is um, a few key panel members, and this is happening more at Make My Trip, is that they own the journey of a candidate across various stages. So if there are four or five uh, key people, they would probably own four or five candidates. So roughly at any point of time, there are about 20 people who are kind of uh, looked after very well. So we actually have a lot of openings and design leaders across verticals and across two brands. But I think one of the things that we have mandated is that at the start, we are thinking of a common pool and really evaluating the fit as we go along. The saying we have is this, that, you know, you plant a tree whose fruits or shade you may not enjoy, but eventually you'll grow the forest. Wow. And uh, the other part, of course, is that sometimes people will move from, jump from a vertical to the other. So I think if you're hiring good people, if you're hiring the right people, I think it's, it's, you're investing somewhere down the line as well. The last point, of course, is our assignments have become much more modularized. So they've become much more smaller, shorter, sharper, very varied. And I think it's the kind of thing even I would have fun taking. So I think that's what we have done a lot of tweaking along the way. Mm-hmm. Actually, just to deep dive a bit into this that uh, you have, you must have like, everyone must have seen those LinkedIn posts where young, fresh candidates, uh, or sometimes even experienced ones say that either you pay us for the assignment or then whatever, like those sort of reactions are there, right? And sometimes there's also controversial topic about whether the test should be from the same domain or like a neutral domain. Uh, Any insights there? Yeah, I think, um, so we have discussed this quite a lot. And again, some of my colleagues in Adobe days also, we discussed this. But I think it's always good, especially, I mean, of course, there are very senior folks and and, uh, sometimes you cannot give them tests. So the test won't really, really check them out. And there are other ways. I think the whole idea of testing or evaluating may not necessarily be an assignment. So I think I, I agree on that part. However, the... Interesting part here is that I don't believe that you should um, give a test from the same domain. Uh, We have increasingly veered away into something very creative, very different sort of thing. Like, for example, designing for a music shop or a magic shop or anything different. And part of it is really about the assignment is not the assignment necessarily, but how you actually are kind of going through the entire process. I mean, what do you talk about with the designers uh, when you actually meet and you say you cannot 
do the process or how do you actually negotiate all of these kind of touch points with the HR, with the person? So I think that says a lot about the person as well. So I think I would still stick to the assignment, maybe smaller because I'm very very conscious that people don't have much time. So can we actually say that this assignment can be done in two hours? That's the max that you should be taking or three hours or four hours, but it shouldn't be a big piece which takes you like two weekends. And I think that's wrong, actually. Mm, quite interesting. Um, Jay, I want to talk a bit about something you mentioned in passing, which is uh, diversity in design teams. Right? So if you, and I don't think this is just a design issue. Tech industry overall, especially in India, if you look at that, uh, from a distance, it's mostly dudes, uh, mostly from big towns and have had an you know, English-based uh, education. Um, how do you uh, maintain diversity in the teams? Is it a conscious effort or do you find the right balance of talent organically? Right. I think diversity has been something very much on our agenda. And I think it's something very much of a very conscious effort, I would say. In the last year, I think we roughly hired some 55 people. Um, I think some 41 new positions, uh, which is actually quite a lot. In the design team? In the design team wow. entirely. Wow. So it's like a big jump uh, for us. Uh, but a lot of them were, of course, some were replacements, some were um, interns, etc., etc. So I would kind of contractors and a whole lot of them. And uh, interestingly, 41% of these were women. And the way we do it is not really setting any institutional targets. I think if you have to have a sustainable change, then there are a couple of process tweaks that essentially need to be done. So like in every panel, uh, we at least have one woman, and I think maybe more in, in many cases, uh, we increasingly have a lot of more women managers and senior folks in the team itself. And um, many of them will have a veto in the entire interview process. So I have uh, greatly come to trust their intuition, skill, and judgment. And I think what the core hiring team shares is, is that it's about diversity, really, across gender, across locations, so not necessarily all metro folks but um, and we have actually very interestingly people from Indore and Nagpur and Coimbatore and uh, all sorts of places and places that you might not even have heard about um, different schools people who are familiar with certain languages more and for them English um, maybe a little bit of struggle which is perfectly okay uh, we also make sure that they are kind of we have a good balance between people who are design trained versus non-trained so I think we do look at it overall and just want to make sure that it's not that you don't really end up with a whole bunch of very similar people, like people, urban people, let's say from certain schools, etc. So it's a it's a good mix that we try and shuffle. So that's that's what we do typically. Wow, that that sounds very nice. idealistic and romantic. Actually, I don't know, Jay, like because it's make my trip or whether I am living in a different bubble altogether because. I think it will be interesting journey as we go along doing these interviews because um, right from like the chaotic startup world where the HR doesn't know how many people I need to like a more organized setup um, like Make My Trip is going to be an interesting ride. But um, you you mentioned about interns also, right? So like how feasible it is to have internship. I mean, it's very required, but due to sometimes due to like timelines and pressures, you really don't get time to mentor or give them assignments, uh, make sure they have a good case study to 
put up in their college and then probably the next job which they land up in or probably continue in the same company. So internships, uh, how does that work? At least at Make My Trip and, and if you have any other examples. Sure. And I think uh, just to add to that last question and my response actually, I think these are a lot of these are actually learned the hard way because they were in a couple of earlier ones where I didn't think we paid a lot of attention, not to, to the gender diversity, but the diversity of design trained versus non-design trained people from kind of urban versus non-urban areas, etc. And I think increasingly we need to reflect the same diversity which our users have. And I think I've learned it the hard way. So maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought about it, but I've kind of made my own set of mistakes and, and learned it the hard way. So I think this is probably a good place where I'm, I'm kind of thinking much more structurally uh, as opposed to kind of repeating any of those past mistakes. Uh, and, and, and sorry to interrupt, but and just to add and no. tell every listener uh, that when I was thinking of this series, uh, it was Jay who told me that you should have like a, again, like an equal contribution of uh, women design leaders in the industry also. So it is not a conscious thing that you slip, but it's it's just a pattern that you observe, you hang out with those people and then it, it just becomes part of your your system, right? So you have to take those conscious efforts sometimes to address these sort of uh, important issues, right? So yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jay, for that. But yeah, go ahead. No, absolutely. I think that. And I think sometimes you don't willfully make those slips. It just happens. I think, yeah, absolutely. So coming back to internships, I mean, we have always supported internships, but 2020 was a very hard time. I mean, suddenly our work pressure went up uh, because we were trying a lot of new things. Uh, We had this remote scenario Mm -hmm. and... um, So we just realized we couldn't do it. But in 2021, we devised a program to specifically address interns called early check-in. And um, we are also very interested in gearing up for interns and design up. So we have just been talking to a few folks, Um, especially since a lot of internship programs have been disrupted. I think this is the least we can do for these folks. And I think it will be a drop in the ocean, but yeah, in little ways we can try and do things. Sure. So this one is like a more leading yes or no type question. So what's what's like a deal breaker for you? Attitude or aptitude? Attitude. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now I'll 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 come to yeah I'll come to this question much more deeper uh, in the following up. But yeah, this was just a quick warm up kind of a thing. That reminds me of that quote from a Manchester United manager who said, "I'd rather have a hole in my squad than have an asshole in my squad." Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if profanity is allowed bilkul, in the bilkul. podcast. Bindas, no problem. He'll <laughs> <laughs> do a beep anyway, kind of one big beep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Jay, I wanted to know, is there such a thing as uh, Jay's favorite interview question? So I actually have a collection of questions which I have over a period of time I keep shuffling and asking people but one of the questions I like and and when people might get is that would you rather be the best player on a losing team or the worst player on a winning team? Wow, (laughs) that's quite interesting. So I have a bunch of questions like these which I kind of rotate and I mean there are five, six of them including um, if you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, so, and what's the thought process? Is it just to understand the vibe? Or is it all, like, what all do you quickly try and gauge from, like, how fast the response comes or any other, pa- like, parameters that you gauge with? 
So I think it's not, I do tell them that it's not about the speed part of it, but think. And I think it's just to understand how people think. Mm. And you, I mean, I, I really appreciate people who think very differently from me because um, I wouldn't have thought it this way. This is pretty interesting. So I have a bunch of questions like these, which would make them think. So it's not a standard interview question, but it also makes me think and makes me think what would I have actually said in this one? And this is like, wow, I mean, this guy's actually said a very interesting thing. I would have never thought about it. I think it's not about the answer, but how do you even think about the answer? Or how do you even structure the answer? Interesting. Nice. <laughs> cool. So we'll move on to the next section. Yeah, I sure. Guess, Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, a pretty cliche question, but we have to ask it. Um, what are some top qualities? Um, if you need a number, then just three um, that you look for in a designer when you're hiring them. Right. I think this is reminds me of Keda's earlier question as well. So I would have really liked to say attitude, mm-hmm. attitude, attitude, and it definitely makes a good headline, but that's not necessarily the whole truth. So the top three, since you said three, um, really are, of course, attitude, because it's the approach to work, the work ethic, the willingness to apply yourself, the willingness to work with others to get things done. And sometimes you disagree, but you say, okay, I'll disagree and agree and we'll get it done anyway, kind of, and we'll check it out, kind of. So I think a lot of that is very, very important. The second, actually, which actually it could be very well my first as well is curiosity. And I think um, that I feel is what makes you go far when you learn, change, reinvent, thanks to curiosity. And in some ways, those questions I was talking about is also about curiosity. I mean, how do you see things from a different angle? Not necessarily right or wrong, but different. That's probably the whole thing. Uh, the third for me is perseverance. And I think this, the good ones are the ones who really are patient, persevering, persistent. They're the guys who are super dogged, unwilling to give up a good fight and will continue for years at certain things. And, and um, in, in some ways, design is also like research. Or if you think about sciences, I think you people mm-hmm. go on, they go deeper and deeper. So I think perseverance also kind of demands that you work with teams, stakeholders or data I mean, to get things to a conclusion or to get things moving. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think just suddenly I realized, and let, let me add a bonus fourth. I spoke about two common strands out here, which is teamwork. And I think um, I feel the age of individual superheroes is kind of getting over. So when we were growing up and we were like getting into design, I mean, we were surrounded by superheroes that one man show. But I think today, that's not really true. I mean, you have design leaders and and lots of individual kind of stars. But I think collectively, including product, tech, data and business, that's where we are like the Avengers. Um, Individually, we may not be as effective because we build big things. That's the other part of it. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, And if I may add to that, um, given that these are the top four things you're looking for, how do you feel about the state of talent um, that we have in the industry right now? Like, uh, what would you say a success rate is in finding these 
uh, four traits that you mentioned in the candidates that you talk to these days? So I think um, I would say it's gotten better. Uh, we have, I think, ups and downs where we will see certain... So I think, okay, let me just put it the other way around, and which is an advantage that mm-hmm. we have today. And I think, Avinit, you might have it. Um, I'm not sure if that is the case with Kedar, uh, but when you are part of a very large design org, you are probably able to get a few people who will have a promise of some of these. They may not be there yet. But because you have a large team, you know that you could take a bet on some of these people and and groom them and and just get them ready. So in that sense, um, I feel I'm in a good place. Are we getting people like this? Are we getting people with all the four traits? Uh, The answer would be no. But at the same time, if you sift through things, if you kind of actually kind of look around and, and go deeper, then you will probably be able to find quite a few decent people. I mean, actually, in my recent, um, through the pandemic, uh, we had a fairly big hiring drive. And I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, actually, in the last, especially last three to four months, I guess we applied ourselves super hard to find those people. We kind of worked closely with HR. So I'm actually very optimistic. I'm, I'm seeing some good people out there. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's good to hear some hopeful comments. <laughs> hey, let's take a short break here. Okay, uh, welcome back to the show. Jay, so actually I like wanted to interject for this question particularly is that one of the reasons why I also thought of this series was uh, a lot of times what happens is while hiring talent, we have these good soft keywords which helps uh, in building a great culture, a great team and thereby bringing a great output. But a lot of times it also happens that you don't find the right skill set also. right? I mean, I've been doing some small workshops here and there in especially tier three towns of and design school like Ujjain mein kuch hai. And there are a bunch of uh, places where I talk and these people are really passionate, may have those skills which you spoke about, perseverance and good attitude, but they may lack basic skills of how to write a resume or how to put out a case study with a good framework so that the potential recruiter just likes it, right? So I'm. what you spoke about was more of the soft skills. Are there any hard skills which you are like sort of deal breaker for you or you think uh, it's mandatory at this level, right? You can pick any level because I'm sure you must be hiring directly at a very senior level and not uh, probably like a junior designer. But are there any hard skills that you look for? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Kedar. And actually, we do hire quite a bit of uh, a mix of people. And increasingly, we have been uh, hiring more recently some of the younger folks. And definitely, I think um, what I look for is, and also because talking about a big team, also which means that we are now looking for specialist skills. So for example, someone who's good with motion graphics or someone who's just good with illustrations, they may not necessarily be great with articulating in English, pretty much like what you said, Kedar. We actually hired someone like that. And I've actually, I was if we had just kind of purely seen his resume, it wasn't great. But I think we did have a quick conversation with him, which led to someone saying, okay, let's let's dig down a little more. 
and more and we realized god this guy is like really talented and it's just that he's been out there this guy is not got a full time job so he's been working pretty much like intern from a company to company so i think i do believe in giving breaks to people like that and i think i remember one guy came from a back of beyond town in i think sundarbans uh, this is during my adobe time and uh, this guy couldn't write english properly he could not speak english that is for sure he could not speak good hindi also but we had a conversation with him and he was super talented and um, this guy we offered him a contract role because adobe was not willing to bend and give him a full time offer because he didn't have all those um, degrees and things of like that but he is eventually moved on to samsung and then um, a very good role with philips today so wow. still in contact he is still a volunteer for design up keeps coming but it's so wonderful to see people like them grow and just just looking for a foothold an opportunity and they will grow absolutely wow that's quite interesting and and inspiring to hear that story so what would you say are sort of the bigger challenges i mean if you just to put a number you can start with two like two big challenges um, today while hiring designers and why and to follow that question is also about which the conversation which we ha- keep ha- having offline about whether we should go to these schools as mentors or do alumni play a part in it and so that is where it's leading to but we can start off by you telling us uh, like two biggest challenges which you face while hiring designers right i think again interesting question and and um, when i think about hiring and and also what happens is that now increasingly i'm looking more at the cultural fit the will this person be around for some time uh, will the person settle in um, contribute etc so i think in some ways good hiring is like making a good bet a bet that this person will enjoy the role grow contribute and happy and i mean in a sense it's a win win bet what the team the earlier panel do check in is more to do with the skills the hard skills the detailing etc etc and i think the assignment to some extent tests that as well so when i look back at it i think this year when this last one year we've met 55 offers or you could say 55 bets Mm-hmm. out of these two were wrong i think we made two wrong bets again from a proportionate point of view that's like roughly what some 3 to 4% times we were wrong out of 100 so which is not bad mm-hmm. the real challenge i feel is that most hiring processes are geared to judge your past i mean you know this this mutual fund literature right that past performance is no guarantee of future whatever mm-hmm. performance or growth or whatever <laughs> kind of thing it's a bit like that it's trying to sort of look at those dots in the past and trying to sort of extrapolate them and say how will this actually play out overall this i find is a very big challenge i mean skill is okay i mean what if your skill is really good but you stagnate and you don't pick up anything new so you could just be in the same place for 3 years or 4 years for all we know so i think this for me is the top 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 notch challenge how do i envision extrapolate this person's growth and i think that person also has to be happy growing within our organization i think both both parts really kind of thing so the refinement and learning really is in the area of evaluation and bias i mean am i biased in or is the team biased in looking at extrapolation or the evaluation that's where i think we need to look much more deeply at some of those things and just 
kind of not be biased by anything. So one very interesting example, I mean, two examples actually was that in the middle of this, all this remote hiring, there were two instances where um, this whole technology played truant, I think. One person was in a very small town in UP, nothing. The net got kept getting disconnected. I couldn't hear her. I think she got nervous. She couldn't hear me. So we said, you know, if I carry on like this, this will definitely bias my view of this whole conversation. So let's stop it. Once you are ready and once you feel that things are set or if you want to go somewhere else, take this, let us know. We will we'll hold off. I mean, let's. there's no pressure right now for that. And we did this again, and I think it went really well. So I think those are the simple things where we need to be much more thoughtful and kind of just make sure that we we are not giving any chance for biases to be introduced because we might make a very wrong bet as well. Interesting. So, Jen, uh, taking on from what you mentioned earlier, right? Um, you've been you said you've been hiring since '98. Uh, all of us here know that design has gone through a sea change. Uh, in the last two decades or so. I wonder, have you seen any changes in the aspirations of uh, designers in India as well? Like now we have so many unicorns, uh, so many companies looking for talent. So if you could talk about like, do you see the aspirations changing a bit? Maybe from just getting an opportunity to now something more? Yeah, I think aspirations have changed a lot, a lot. I mean, when I stepped out of design school to today, I think there's been so much change. I mean, I went back to school again, but not a design school. I I did a cross-school management plus design that was in the UK. (laughs) But I think the aspiration in some ways was much more socialist, um, like two decades plus ago. Uh, the two things would probably be the mastery of what you do and designing for something you deeply care about. Mm. I think this is where probably what uh, what really fueled uh, people once upon a time. Um, and uh, in some ways, it became more even artsy at times as well. But what I see is uh, that's a minority almost. That's a, that's a massive minority. It's a minority probably who doesn't care about a million dollar fundraise or whether the product is used by millions or not. I think that's that's become a, a complete minority. Sure. I find that, I mean, that whole internal fueled aspiration of mastery and meaning is, is kind of going down. The majority aspiration, which I see would be really externally fueled. I mean, hmm. working for a good brand, a brand that's in the news, a lot of PR coverage, um, great pay, fancy perks, fancy titles, a large team to manage, uh, maybe even waiting for your Tesla and talking about it on Twitter. So, <laughs> um, actually, when I was thinking about it, it just uh, crossed my mind. I mean, the other other aspiration would be that maybe I have five to ten thousand followers on some assorted social media. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember. There's something called clout. Yeah. Cloud with a K. Yes, yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Right. There used to be something called the cloud score, and that would calculate how how much clout you have, etc. But then cloud is dead. I mean, cloud scores are dead as well. But it just crossed my mind that uh, a lot of it is such externally fueled aspiration. Um, But I I really uh, do hope that I'm wrong about the minority part, that there are many more people out there whose aspirations are driven by the intrinsic search for meaning and mastery. So I think I hope that kind of so. You're sounding too... too romantic in a way <laughs> because even even <laughs> kunal shah said no, there are these logo collectors uh, i think in one of the podcasts which i heard uh, you're saying that there are these 
maybe that what that's what you're pointing towards the minority group. They are mainly like logo collectors. They are not really much concerned about deep diving into the problem statement and then making like a good product, but just working in fancier brands. <laughs> no, I think uh, I would say that's the majority one. Achha, nice, nice. The majority one of the logo collectors, exactly like what you said, mm-hmm. uh, they are hopping from the brand, the most shiny brand to the next shiny brand. And and um, that's what, whereas the other guys are probably more deeply concerned about, I mean, it's it's like a researcher, you know, you just go deep down and you forget that. And you maybe are 10 years, you're doing the same thing and kind of really love doing it. So yeah. you don't really care about whether that's in the news or not. Yeah, yeah, true. But that's a good, good point about low collectors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Brian Collins from... And the graphic design agency called he once wrote a long piece about people confusing fame for mastery. I think, yeah, I, I resonate with you, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely see some of that happening. Right. So actually, yeah. if you if you were at the Design Up 2019 event, um, I think I've said this about 20 times already, um, Simon Rabaudengo from Italy, he lives and, and works in, uh, I think, China or used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about how at age of 40, you become an apprentice in Italy. And by the time, if you survive all of that, by the age of 80 or 90, you are acknowledged as a master. It's just because the depth to which you keep going and doing things, um, things move slowly, but very, very surely. So I think, and that's, I think, true for a lot of cultures like the Japan or China, the ancient cultures kind of where there's a lot of emphasis on craftsmanship and thoughtfulness and all of that. Uh, no, even I'm a big believer of that. The quote I think with Bruce Lee has given, like you you don't need to learn thousand kicks, but just one kick thousand times. So yeah, it, it clearly connects uh, with me as well. Uh, so while we're talking about this, we, we talked about aspirations in general, Jay. Uh, but if I had to ask you to differentiate between, say, the aspirations of young people looking to get in the industry versus more mid-level or senior uh, designers over here, would you see a difference? Do you see a nuance, you know, a difference in aspiration between people who are new and people who've been here for some time? Yeah, I think uh, there is. Uh, I guess the for the people who are new and waiting to get a foothold, I think the aspiration is possibly kind of making an impact with the skills they have and and kind of shining out there with whatever they do. Then I think much more granular focus, they want to go to the next level and and keep going. I think there is a lot of hope and a lot of aspiration out there. Uh, What I do see, and this is especially true for design in tech industries, is that as you go to the middle levels or more senior I think I'm seeing a lot of burnout as well. All these things, whether it's a fancy title or um, or a Tesla or whatever that you want, everything comes at a certain price. And a lot of people are not uh, willing or able or shouldn't be even kind of be going there to do that. Because I guess a lot of our, especially Indian startups and Indian companies, don't really have that uh, individual contributor pathway. I think everything for growth yep. means that you've got to be a manager, which may not be the right thing to do. Yeah, mm. I that that strikes a chord, Jay. Sorry for interrupting. But, right, no, yeah. I think, yeah. But, um, Please go on. Yeah, so since you brought on that IC versus manager thing, 
Um, have you noticed uh, this blog that Brian Lovin started a few days back, Stuff.Design? No, I, I didn't. I didn't, Abhinith. Maybe I think we should probably put that in the uh, in the blog. Uh, not blog, I think. Yeah, the show notes. Show notes. Yeah, show notes. Show box. So, right. so he's also interviewing a lot of ICs. And one of the things I was going to talk to you about was brain drain, right? That seems to be happening as, as the world gets more global, especially now we are all, uh, you know, rushing towards being remote. So I've seen this in Indonesia as well, uh, where I talked to some senior design folks and uh, a lot of people would, when they outgrow the companies here, they would take an offer in the Valley or take an offer in Singapore, which is quite close. And I've seen this happen in India as well. Do you have a lament regarding this brain drain? And also, do you think this is just a side effect of, sorry for calling ourselves leaders, but side effect of design leaders uh, quote-unquote, being unable to create those IC opportunities within the companies that we work in? Um, I think there are a bunch of, I think, very interesting questions and a lot of strands to this. So very interestingly, Abhinith, when in 2000, when I landed um, a job in Bristol, England, um, after my Mauritius stint, my employers firstly thought that I was a Mauritian and that's probably where they were kind of like, firstly, where is Mauritius? And I hope that's not Mauritania in Africa, so on and so forth. <laughs> um, so I think the assumption, the, the complete stereotype was that Indians were coders, period. Mm-hmm. And I think Y2K had reinforced that. They just couldn't believe that designers, Indians could be designers in the tech world. I mean, that was like, no, no. Um, and I, I probably was the only Indian designer. I mean, someone who was not from UK or didn't have a half UK kind of lineage or studied in the UK, etc., who was actually working there. I guess it was also the, the the person who hired me was very interesting and was very open with that diversity idea as well in those days. So I think that point of time, if I look back, I was in a tiny, tiny, tiny minority. But um, I mean, it's really makes me glad to see that we are also now seen as being good with design. And I I think this holds true for Asians in general, that, you know, these are not just the tech coders and, you know, guys who work in NASA and all of that, but they can also design and adapt to cultural nuances, really. Mm -hmm. So I think in, I mean, almost... I'm very happy in the, the decade after that I've come back to India. I mean, Indian designer, design and designers have finally gone out to the world and I think they're out there. The only reason I came back to India was that there were supersized projects to be done at scale right from inception. Mm-hmm. While in the West, I think, um, especially the West, not the Southeast Asia or other places, West, uh, things have been already done. I mean, if you think about airports and infrastructure and, uh, you know, healthcare, etc., there is already a version one and a version two and a version three also maybe that's done. Mm-hmm. So in majority of the cases, you would really be polishing what's done. And I think India is provides that brand new opportunity. And I think India has not disappointed me. So before we jump next, uh, let's take a quick break. So we are back here again. Jay, you spoke about a bit about the brain drain kind of thing. And as Abhinith also spoke about, is it lack of us creating an ecosystem where new talent and, and senior talent can thrive or is it something else? So 
to extend that thing whom would you keep or whom would you consider like important people or organizations in the entire scheme of things where the talent is growing right so we spoke about this uh, uh, offline that uh, how do we like who's who's responsible for maintaining the quality of designers the quantity of designers and how what sort of ecosystem we built for them so that they aspire to work in india and solve indian problems right so you have any thoughts around that uh, you have also been actively involved in teaching mentoring taking workshops so you have any any thoughts on that so let me try and split your question in two parts one is that the whole part of responsible for the talent in india and second is i mean for the talent to just come to come and grow in india that's one the second is for getting out of india maybe that's the second part of it i think we have discussed that before but let's let's go down a little bit more in terms of responsible for the talent in india i think there are three big influences i think parents schools and mentors on the job so uh, very interestingly while doing the deconstruct research in 2019-20 uh, ripul kumar who was leading the research part remarked that no parent ever forced their children to get into design um but interestingly children rejected the so called safe choices made by their parents and moved from engineering to design i think um a silent rebellion in motion and i'm so glad that they rebelled and chose their own paths um so that is one i mean kids saying you know i hate engineering or whatever or bbas and all of that and i want to do design the second of course was a bunch of old schools like nid and iit idc and the rest and then of course newer ones like mit symbiosis jklu nift etc um so i see a lot of good talent i mean including some former engineers come out from those places um there is of course the rise of the boot camps but i think it's too early to comment on that so i'll not comment on that part uh the big one of course are mentors in the job i think they are critical um but all of these mentors are of course within an ecosystem i mean the company ecosystem or whatever uh but if there are good mentors in in good places then talent really really blooms coming to your second part which is why are they leaving given where they came from and where we are right now i still think a lot of them don't leave i, I think there is of course one part of it which leaves now you could say that one perception is that the best people leave i don't think so i think people who leave of course leave because they want to try out something very new or very different sometimes they get married they move so i think all sorts of different things happen it's it's maybe too naive to say that the best leave and the worst stay i think that doesn't happen conversely you will also see a lot of um, good people coming back to india um, and in the last 3 to 4 to 5 years as well uh, which is again great i also see a lot of good people not willing to leave india and the part of the reason is two three things i mean especially when they go to mid senior kind of uh, positions they have kids and all they realize that um you know of course you get paid in dollars and and pounds and all of that but your cost of living is also similarly very high so that's probably one angle that they think about uh the other is of course in terms of the kind of breadth and the depth of opportunity here some of these organization do offer you something which is very very uh, unique and very different so i think there are some people leaving uh, some people coming back 
and i believe a lot of people not going out of india or or being in the southeast asian kind of job market pretty much also because the southeast asian job market in some ways is similar i mean not the same of course but in some ways relatable similar etc so i think again i would say there's mm. a lot of hope mm. abhinit you have any take on this about yeah i mean because you have been hiring in that part of the world also so any observations there well i do think uh, what i agree most strongly with jayon is i i do think that the growth in the last 4 5 years like the growth in market and you know the subsequent change in perception that it has brought along with it like parents are seeing and parents are a super important factor i agree on that as well uh, parents are seeing that design is a real career choice for designers um, and with all these opportunities in the market the reasons for leaving southeast asia are definitely fewer and fewer so yeah like i was nodding throughout what jay was saying <laughs> and the nice. funny thing is so many people wanting to set up a shop here in india i mean that's the other oh, yeah. very interesting one so yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Jay, I'll tell you like the number of Indian folks and uh, folks worldwide I'm seeing setting up or wanting to set up shops in Indonesia, for example. Right. And um, that's also very heartening to see. Right. Yep, absolutely. Um, people yeah. are recognizing that these markets are are going to explode in in the next decade or so. So I think someone, I think it was um, mm-hmm. maybe it was Julie Shaw who told me that uh, you know after all. maybe a third of the world's population lives between india to indonesia to malaysia philippines all of that so i think that's actually both a place for great talent and a great market yep yep yeah and and i would add to that saying great problems also <laughs> right yep right because very know, unique because it's quite diverse uh, yeah very unique problems and the diversity is so huge that you can't really like lift a model from valley and just plug it in and it will work right so even if the business model is working there are so many unique challenges across the board from ops to design to tech uh, so it's quite fascinating for me so i i might come across as in they are kyu ja rahe chhod ke india mein itna kaam hai to but uh, yeah it's it's a uh, good to know the perspective ki ha there some people might leave for different reasons fair enough uh cool i think uh, i'll out of the list i'll conclude with the last question to jay mainly and also if abhinit you can pitch in ki uh, what does it take to retain good talent right in the organization where you have worked with in the kind of uh, small big entrepreneurial gigs that you try i've seen these days a big trend of esops right uh, just give them and then they are waiting uh, across actually senior to mid or sometimes leadership level obviously so Like yeah, what what's your promise uh, you make to your team to retain and and grow as individuals, grow as designers, and also help the company? Right, I think um, interesting one. So when I uh, kind of pitch on behalf of Make My Trip and Guaybibo, I think it's built on some three four points. One is that. uh we really are a solid multidisciplinary team so you will get to work with us learn from us grow with us so that's definitely one thing which people like a lot um at least i can tell from the number of people who accept those offers based on that the second is an org culture i mean we went from being fairly ambivalent about design to putting design front and center of our product so i think that's again a great story from how 
far designers come and how ingrained it is as a culture within the org itself. I'm not the design culture, but as a part of the org culture. So uh, interestingly, all people who join uh, will have to sit through maybe 90 minutes of me giving them some design gyan and, you know, process and all of that. And that is anybody who joins. So that's the interesting part. Mm. Uh, the third is a chance to see your work in the hands of over 55 million customers. I mean, every month, I mean, and this is probably across Make My Trip and, and Go Ibibo. Um, yeah, and there's a fourth, which is that we are a Nasdaq listed company, which has been around for 21 years. And I can't even remember when we became a unicorn, but which means that this is, of course, pay, but there are real ESOPs. I mean, these are these are real and not uh, fictional or promissory sort of thing. So, um, of course, now when you think about startups, they can't make certain of these promises or most of these promises, but they do make astronomical hikes at times. Um, but then again, I think the idea really is um, there's only so much that a hike can take you or kind of can, kind of be sustainable over a period of time. I mean, between us, I'm sure we have seen enough of these companies who have been crazily hiring, been promising a lot, and then they've gone to being very sobering sort of valleys per se. Um, I guess the for a bunch of hiring managers out there or, or folks out there who are looking to sort of build their teams, you really have to think about what differentiates you and what's a promise that you can keep. I think that's very, very important, actually. Mm-hmm. But do you think uh, one of the reasons for doing this series was also to be very open about a lot of things which we are facing individually also? So I've seen some really good paymasters uh, so they retain talent uh, just to good salaries, right? And unfortunately, sometimes they land up in outgrowing themselves. And then it's neither an IC role, uh, neither they can manage stuff. You know what I mean, right? You must have yep. seen those sort of people uh, in the industry. So what's what's your take on that? I mean, is it a good culture that we are building as design community? Yeah, I think that's not a um, good culture, really, to be honest uh, with you. I think... When I look at, and we've, we've seen a lot of these, I mean, people go through kind of sudden jumps, astronomical hikes, uh, retention bonus, you name it and they get it. But eventually, I think, I mean, when a company goes down or, or the career stagnates, eventually the individual loses. I think that's probably the sad part of it. And uh, when designers or design leaders within this org are making that call, I think they have to think from a much more systemic perspective that how will this play out in the next three to four to five years? Because at some point of time, they might be at a point where they are unaffordable as well. And I think it's good to get there gradually as getting there in the first five or six or seven years of your career. You've got like 30, 40 year career up ahead. So if you become unaffordable at eight years, what will you do with your rest of your 22 or mm-hmm. 25 years? I think that's that's actually a scary thought. Mm-hmm. I think Jay, the scariest thought for designers these days is that careers are 30 years long because most people dream that exactly. they retire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you go to another 45 or 50 and that's actually like, a, in my mind, a fairly scary thought. <laughs> so. Yes. But I, I don't think, uh, like, even when I was young, uh, a young designer. Uh, I, I never imagined myself being a designer at 50. It just fell too far away. So I think all of us, it's like stock 
markets all of us are you know we can we are good at thinking short term we want short term returns um and even though everybody will end up at the same place if you zoom out and look at 20 years but people are just it, it's not intuitive for people to think of careers in such decade long terms yep correct correct and and i have a different perspective to that is that uh, like because of my career shift in the last 4 uh, 5 years i've fortunate to work in places where they were setups like big big setups right so as a not as big as microsoft but whatever uh, they were established companies and when you see the the breadth of marketing the ops the logistics um, and bunch of other things uh, you are just one more department like probably the hr or whatever right uh, important but you are just one of them now how can one justify those sort of salaries uh, or those sort of uh, i mean and and justify in a sense that you you bring you have to bring that much to the table right so do you think that design does uh and then that's why these people are demanding or they're looking forward or they have those sort of aspirations no i think this is a great question again i think from a the problem is that when we think in terms of trends opposed to value i think there is a mismatch uh, a trend will last for a certain amount i mean it may last for 6 months year 2 years 3 years and uh, but eventually someone will ask for what are the value that you are contributing what's the value your department is actually giving and i mean the great part is that we are now part of much much larger corporations than ever before but if i look at it some of the winners really are the small boutique studio owners who might just kind of cash out in the 50s pretty much and um, so this there is that because they have actually shown the value of their small 30 40 50 people companies per se but if you think about 30 40 year or 50 people or 100 people studio within i think it gets even more complicated i mean the roi of design starts to come into question and therefore the roi of individuals and this whole angle which a large corporation will have which is that uh, you know no one is indispensable and that's the truth to a great extent actually Mm. Sorry, I went round a little bit in circles there but <laughs> some more thoughts there yeah no that's perfectly fine <laughs> cool actually abhinit you also come from a studio this thing and i was i i thought it will sound like a self plug but i related so hard right uh, no you have have yeah, more yeah. to share abhinit i mean from your from your left shift no i i do think uh, what jay has said makes a lot of sense my my perspective has changed complete 180 degree right um after actually witnessing scale and i have felt what you felt kedar which is yeah like i think john maida got into some trouble for saying this that design is a support function mm. right um and i think daniel burka also uh, shared some thoughts on twitter the other day where like he's like design is too infatuated with getting on the table and it doesn't know what it will do when it gets to the table right so i i i felt all of those things and i do think that to some extent the market also has to you know show and you know show that design is a differentiator for them when they make the the consumers make the choices of picking a product um and that's something i think southeast asia will see in the next decade but i can't say that customers are the market is voting for you know design being the differentiator yet and that's when as jay said true value will be created yeah, true, true. <laughs> in fact um, i was talking with someone the other day that 
if you compare, there are probably, I don't know, 300 universities in Maharashtra alone for engineering. So if we, I don't know the numbers, but maybe 1000 engineering colleges and universities across India and probably 10 or 15 design schools. So the, the supply is low and the demand is high doesn't mean that you'll get paid uh, the way you are, right? You, you need to bring that value. It just right now, the demand supply kind of a thing, which is uh, working for designers at the moment. Is it a fair uh, uh, perspective? Uh, Kedar, I think um, we were doing this thing again for the deconstruct research as well. And it seems that number of schools have grown like crazy. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I think they might be for all you know. I think Shiva had that number somewhere. He was saying there are just 300 schools in Bangalore alone. And this is not counting the boot camps like the 10K designers and um, whatever kind of design something, all of those. Uh, there is, it's just mushroom. Part of it is in, in let's say, Triple IT or lots of these uh, tech schools mm. which are bringing in design and uh, they also want to have. Now, NIDs are mushroomed. Uh, there are, I don't, don't even know how many NIDs are there. IITs are teaching design everywhere. Yep. Uh, there's an Masters in Communication Design or Visual Design at IIT Hyderabad, which is very interesting because I thought, why visual design kind of in my mind? So I think there might be a few thousand schools actually in in design, which again means that it's imperative for the good ones to rise and shine. Mm -hmm. But you think uh, it's almost closing to uh, the engineering and and also mind you, engineering are sort of established, right? So I'm not comparing a small boutique teaching class or like someone in in Bangalore versus a IIT, IDC center, right? So IDC, IIT, these NIDs are handpicked. Like they're like limited, right? So I'm not comparing those, but in terms of the big design schools, there's still a lot of disparity, right? That's right. But I think um, what will also happen is that in something like a lovely professional university in Punjab, which is probably known for its business and tech and other courses, now there's a design course as well. Hmm. So that's actually kind of, and yeah, it's kind of out there in huge numbers. The other question which boggles my mind is who's teaching? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Correct, correct, yeah. Hopefully audio can, yeah, let's see. (laughs) Cool. Uh, so, Jay, I want to conclude, uh, which is like especially for you, is that you started seeing um, some good work uh, uh, showcased at Design Up. And uh, as in like Design Up is something which uh, is one of the sought after conferences also. Have you seen any talent improvement or uh, you have any metrics to measure that? Uh, because you have you've been very like an Im- important contributor to to just educate, to evangelize design at a larger scale, right? So any any insights from your conference and how is it helping anything worth knowing? Right, I hope so that I'm trying to evangelize. But so I think interesting questions. Let me just break it down into one or two parts. I think what happens is while curating design up, what we try and showcase work that has a very broad um, scope, scale and a human story attached to it. Um, I think what we try and bring is is also diversity of people, of projects, of outcomes. And the idea really, if I think about it, is to provide alternate role models, not just the one that you hear or see on social media, 
primarily driven by fundraise or PR or titles and team sizes, etc. So very interestingly, there are two kind of metrics part to it. So one is that I very often hear people, and this includes even our own volunteers, um, that they say that in this edition or workshop, um, or this particular speaker that changed my life, that challenged me to think differently, they made me switch roles or paths. And the the ROI for many of them is the reassurance. And for some of them, it's all about the reinvention or rethinking part. But if you think about the real matrix in a slightly of the main path, maybe is that they are the individual stories which in some ways translate into design up's own growth. So I think when I look at it, it's, it's kind of doubled year on year till, of course, pandemic struck and we said, let's pause it for the moment. And the other part is like employees from now were 300 companies attended the 2019th edition, the fourth edition. And this is by most standards, we are a very, very young conference. Uh, but what I love is the diversity of companies. I mean, you will have a small startup from Ujjain to Google. You will have ClearTrip and Make My Trip, Amazon and Flipkart. They are all united by learning, inspiration, and the love of design. So I think in some ways, I hope that is making some difference on the ground. And people are seeing beyond and finding newer role models. Probably that's the way of great, talking great. about it. Cool. Uh, I think I'm uh, done with the questions. I, 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 it's been really a pleasure uh, to uh, know so many things from you. Abhinit, you want to add or uh, ask anything um, as a concluding thought? No, thanks a lot, Jeff, for taking out the time. And thank you for being patient with us running over time a bit. And no worries at all. I, I hope our listeners will be patient. <laughs> but it, it's always a great pleasure talking with both of you. And I think it's a bonus having you as well uh, with, with Kedar. So great. I really enjoyed our conversation. And sorry if I went a little overboard on some of these. No, no, no. We, we absolutely enjoyed it. And and frankly, it's it's not about... Um, because with AudioGAN, I've, I've seen there are like very interesting feedback I'm getting from... YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And, and it's quite heartening to see uh, the kind of things which come across. Uh, and, and hopefully the younger generation who wants to get into design learns a lot from this series over a period of time. And uh, yeah, thanks, Jay. Uh, so on, on a concluding note, I'll say that thanks for listening till the end. Uh, currently, I'm heading the design at jupiter.money and we are hiring at all levels. So you can visit jupiter.money slash careers. Uh, you can follow AudioGAN on Instagram at AudioGAN Moments or visit audiogan.com. Uh, you guys want to plug anything? You guys are hiring. Uh, I'm sure Gojek is hiring all around the year uh, at all levels. So any, any, any of you want to have a plug, feel free. Jay, you go first. You're the guest. <laughs> yeah, we are hiring, uh, of course. Uh, but I think I also want to say that... Um, what a fantastic journey AudioGAN has been. And I think it's a labor of love from Kedar. So do keep listening, do keep recommending, and do keep sharing whatever your Gyan is. Thank you. I think as Indians, we, we consume a lot, but I think we should also share a lot more. So I think that'll be fantastic. And I'll just double plug in AudioGAN on AudioGAN. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but about Make My Trip and uh, Go Abibu, like you guys are hiring right yeah, now? Yeah, we, we are hiring. We are always hiring. So there is, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you at any point in time. Just follow us on any of the 
social media channels and the same goes for design up and hopefully we'll be back with something exciting soon you will hear it first maybe on audio gan itself wow that's great that's great. in fact that was one of the questions i missed it so any any plans this year yeah yeah there are, there are actually there is um, some pretty exciting stuff in the pipeline but maybe not yet uh, ready to be shared because it's it's work in progress but yeah very soon awesome awesome nice. abinit yep uh, we at gojek are hiring as well uh, all of you listeners mm-hmm. if anyone is interested you can go to gojek.com/career and yeah you'll find positions across southeast asia there and kedar thanks a lot i've been a listener of this podcast for a really long time as well it's really a privilege to be a co-host on this and i had a really fun time thank you thanks jay cool cool thank you thank you guys thanks abinit thanks kedar okay thank you guys bye 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 and that's it from today's gyan session for show notes and more gyan visit audiogyan.com if you like this podcast please don't forget to check our other interesting podcast on ivm network you can listen to us on ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or any of your favorite podcasting apps to stay tuned follow us on twitter and instagram at ivm podcast and if you wish to connect with me i am at audiogyan moments on instagram Until then, take care. Hello! It's been a great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On this round is on me. Gauri is joined by Shweta Nanda. They talk about the financial independence and how it is to be a woman entrepreneur. On Anish Thing, Anish welcomes ultra marathon runner Shivani Gharat. Shivani shares her journey of how she ran her first marathon, the mindset of a runner, and what it actually takes to run a full marathon. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus, Naveen, Akash, and Shreyas talk about the Korean band BTS serving in the military and its repercussions. On Think Fast, Varun and Suchita discuss Wing Greens and their latest acquisitions and about the Indian sexual wellness market. And on Shuni One, Sheila Ditya is joined by Dinika Bhatia, CEO and founder of Nati Gritties. They talk about coming from a business family and Dinika's journey in creating healthy and guilt-free snacking. Once again, don't forget to visit our merch store on ivmpodcast.com. We have some exciting new merch out there for you. Also, do follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And do remember to spread the word about these shows and any other shows you might be listening to. Appreciate them, rate them, and review them wherever you are listening to them. You can also check out all our other shows on YouTube.com/slash/IVMPodcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week: Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, Kotak Privy League Program, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thanks, guys. Without you, this would not be possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IVM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from.